0: This is not a work of history. I claim no special expertise about James Madison's interior life, nor do I claim to be describing his subjective purpose. I don't even claim that Madison himself was wholly responsible for his music. As we'll hear, Madison's arranger, Roger Sherman, deserves some credit. Rather, it is an effort to read the First Amendment's 45 words, all of them, as a coherent whole in order to recapture what I call Madison's music. I rest this book on the phrasing, rhythm, order, and placement of the 45 words themselves. When we read a great poem, we do not ask whether the poet intended to achieve a particular emotional, aesthetic, or intellectual response. It is enough that the choreography of words triggers a responsive chord in a careful reader. The thesis of this book, dear listener, is that a careful study of the order, placement, meaning, and structure of the 45 words in Madison's First Amendment will trigger a responsive poetic chord in you that will enable us to recapture the music of democracy in our most important political text. Today we hear only broken fragments of Madison's music. Instead of seeking harmony and coherence in the First Amendment, we read the First Amendment, indeed the entire Bill of Rights, as a set of isolated, self-contained commands, as if the Founders had thrown a pot of ink at the wall and allowed the order, placement, and structure of each provision in the Bill of Rights to be randomly determined by the splatter. The result is an arbitrary constitutional jurisprudence that has left us with a dysfunctional, judge-built democracy that is owned lock, stock, and barrel by 5,000 wealthy oligarchs, a pseudo-democracy in which district lines have been carefully gerrymandered to rig the outcomes of most legislative elections. Only half the population bothers to vote, and cynics erect barriers designed to disenfranchise the weak and the poor. It doesn't have to be that way. A poetic vision of the interplay between democracy and individual freedom is hiding in plain sight in the brilliantly ordered text and structure of the Bill of Rights, but we have forgotten how to look for it. Recovering our ability to hear Madison's music would pave the way to a democracy-friendly First Amendment aimed at reinforcing Lincoln's hope that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. We honor James Madison as the driving force behind the Bill of Rights. We recognize him as Thomas Jefferson's indispensable political lieutenant. We applaud him as the nation's fourth president. But we'll never do Madison full justice until we revere him as a great poet. Not a literary poet like Wallace Stevens, but a political poet like Abraham Lincoln or Ronald Reagan. Madison's poetic genius was structural, a mastery of the contrapuntal interplay between the collective practice of democracy and individual liberty. His poetic voice speaks to us in the harmony of the 462 words, 31 ideas, and 10 amendments, each in its perfectly chosen place and all interacting to form a coherent whole that constitute the magnificent poem to democracy and individual freedom called the Bill of Rights. When we read a great literary poem like The House Was Quiet and the World Was Calm— Wallace Stevens' celebration of the miracle of reading. We concentrate deeply on each word and pay particular attention to the rhythmic cadence of the language and stanzas and to the imagery they spin.